You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Here's our big idea for this morning. Jesus has left death behind and is present for you. Jesus has left death behind and he is present for you. Now, Shannon, since I knew you were going to be here this morning, I almost created an outline, but not really. Okay, not really. Uh, Instead, what we do have is we have three promises this morning that this truth, that he is present with you, Three promises that you can take away. That fear will be removed. All the promises of God in Christ will be renewed to you. And at Jesus' resurrection, you can have true hope. Alright? So, fear will be removed. Promises will be renewed. And you will have hope. Now, after the Sabbath. The Sabbath. After the seventh day. Kids in the room, you know this. What happened on the seventh day of creation? You got to shout it out for me. Ah, You're not a child, Gibson. Ah, But you are a child of God, so I'll take it. I'll take it. That's right. God rested. That's, That's right. On the seventh day of creation, God rested. You know what day we're on now? We're the day after the seventh day. Now, how many... How many days of the week are there? There's seven. But you know what? We're going to cheat today. We're on the eighth day of the week here, okay? That doesn't make any sense. It might not sound like it makes sense, but it does. Hear me out. Uh, Here we are. We're on the eighth day of the week. We are on something totally new. It's the day after the seventh day. Here we are. We are entering into a new creation. Just as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, then if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And that's exactly what is happening at Jesus' resurrection here. Something new. A new creation. And here we have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now this could sound offensive. Uh, Why is Matthew not saying Mary the mother of Jesus? Well, there's a couple of reasons why he's doing this. One of the things that Matthew stresses throughout his entire gospel is discipleship and disciples. He's not setting Mary aside as a, as a uh, you know, above everyone else individual right now. What he's doing is he is pointing her out as a disciple of Jesus. And they are going to the tomb. Why do you go to a tomb? You know, in my hometown, um, you can get onto like the main road and that main road goes past a vast cemetery and right from the road, I can see my grandmother's uh, headstone and my grandfather's name is there, though he's not in the ground yet. (laughs) And you know what? Um, I drive past it. (laughs) I, I never go to it, though. Because nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. I, I see her name written, there, written on there from the road. Why do you go to a tomb? 
you go there because you know the dead are there. Mary and Mary are going to the tomb. Yeah, they're going there to fulfill some, some laws that they, they should do as, as good Jews. But they're going there too because their whole world has changed. Both of them, as disciples of Jesus, were depending on Him. Both of them were counting that everything that He said was going to come true. But we all know Jesus too, right? He says some things that are hard to understand. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now this is the second earthquake in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but if you'll remember, in the previous earthquake that happened on the day that Jesus died, others came out of the tomb as well. Right? So here we have earthquake, we have angel, and we have an angel that is bright like lightning. This is what we call apocalyptic language. This is end-of-the-world type stuff that we see happening here. And indeed it is. It is the end of, an, of the old world and the beginning of something brand new. His appearance was like lightning and His clothing white as snow. And for fear of Him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Um, now, I don't know if they're playing dead. I don't know if they fainted. I don't know what happened here. But th this is something amazing that's going on. Okay? This is something amazing that's going on. I, I love that Matthew uses this language of them becoming like dead men. Because in, we're not going to read these verses, but starting verse 11, what's going to happen? These dead men, they get up and they have to go report that they failed at their jobs. Yeah? They were dead, and then they become alive again. And in fact, they're probably going to be put to death for failing at their jobs. They're going to need a hope that is far more than what they are offered by the world around them. They just don't know it yet. And this is the response to Jesus being raised from the dead. Some people are slayed by it because they can only hear the law of God condemning them, and some of them, like the Marys, will hear it as promise. Hey, what's an angel again? A messenger, right? Someone with a word to be shared, with a word to be preached. Let's see if he does that. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Wait a second. <laughs> this is a problem. This is a problem. Now, it's not just a problem because they were expecting Jesus to be dead. This is a problem because they were expecting to be with Him in some way. If Jesus isn't here, if they don't get to come and mourn, then where is He? For He has risen, as He said. Now this shouldn't be a surprise to us, and it wasn't a surprise to the Marys either. 
Jesus had been saying this from the very beginning. And in all of the Gospels, it's attested to us that in the days leading up to his death, he specifically flat out came out and said, I will be put to death. And then on the third day, I will rise again. And yet no one remembers this. Why? Because people don't rise from the dead, right? Except for they had another example too. We read about him a couple weeks ago. They had Lazarus, who, although not entering into the new creation quite yet, he was still destined to die, maybe even be put to death by the, by the Jewish leaders. But it was, it was a little taste of what was going to come. They knew that it was possible, and yet they couldn't quite believe that it was going to be real for Jesus. Come, see the place where he lay. Which once again, let's just be honest here, it doesn't do us a lot of good to see the empty tomb. Because we still have to ask the question, where is he? Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. I love the angel here. Quite seems quite proud of himself that he's delivered the message that he's been given to deliver. And the Marys hear this message and they say, ah, yes. Now we know where his presence is. Somewhere between here and Galilee. Still not doing us a lot of good. And they're walking away from the situation, what, with, with nothing but joy? No. There's question marks still floating in the air. There's questions of, okay, what do you mean he's on his way to Galilee? How is he on his way to Galilee? Because he was dead. What does it mean to rise from the dead? They're fearful. They're fearful because the earth has been shaking. The tomb is empty. There's an angel. Big, brave soldiers are lying dead on the ground. They're fearful. So they departed quickly from that place. Of course they would. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to tell the disciples. I love Matthew's little comment here with fear and great joy because it's going through this range of emotions that they have to be feeling. He's not here. Confusion. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Hope. Fear. Confusion. Jesus is going ahead of you. But why is he not here? <laughs> now, this is all very spectacular. What good is Jesus, Jesus if he isn't present for us? And so they are left with fear and great joy. They ran to go tell the disciples, the other disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Um, I don't know if that's supposed to be disarming, if I'm supposed to be comforted with the word greetings, or, oh, hey, hello there, right? <laughs> or, if someone that you knew was dead, these two women in particular, you saw him beat, 
You saw him punished. And even if you didn't quite understand what it meant for him to be taking on the sin of the whole world, you saw him three days ago taking on the sin of everyone around him as they mocked him, as they beat him, as people's anger and fear and frustration was poured out on him. You saw the nails go into his hands and into his feet. And what do you get? Oh, hello. Even as his mother, the other Mary, there's fear in that. Because you know what's happened. You know what put him there on that cross. You know that your other sons didn't do anything to stop it. You know that the beloved disciple John was standing right beside you and he didn't stop it. You might not know, but you may kind of have heard that Peter denied him. He wasn't there to stop it. You might kind of understand that all the sin of the whole world, including your own, was put on him when you saw everyone else throwing their insults. But instead you get, oh, hello, greetings. Hello, I, God, just died for you and spent the better part of three days in the grave. Hello. I was busy taking on the sin of the whole world, including yours. Greetings. It hits different. But what does Jesus continue to say? Well, first they fall at his feet and worship him. Why? Well, Isaiah tells us, Paul tells us, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, right? Also, they saw the nails go through those feet. They can touch those feet. They can see the wounds still in those feet. There's actually this great story back in in 2 Kings where Elisha um, raises a young man from the dead. And, And the mother of the young man steps forward and grabs his feet. Why? I don't know. I don't know what kind of shows you watch. I don't know what kind of books you've read. But if there is a spirit out there in the world, you don't imagine them having feet, right? You don't imagine them walking around on the earth. You see little spooky things floating, whatever the case may be. Well, Jesus here, he's got feet. They, they can grab a hold of those feet. They can see those wounds. They can know, where is Jesus present for me? Right here. Right now. They came up and took a hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell those guys that I used to call my disciples who sinned against me. No. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Go and tell the disciples, my brothers, that their faith 
is going to be made sight, just like yours has, Mary and Mary. That's another beautiful thing about this new creation that we enter into on Resurrection Sunday, is that for Mary and Mary, for the disciples, for everyone that is going to bear witness to Jesus' rising from the dead, including those two soldiers, faith becomes sight for them. That thing that we look forward to, that we pray for, that we're encouraged to look forward to, for them that becomes a reality right then, right there. And in that, we see God removing fear. We see Jesus saying, what? Do not be afraid. And just in case you thought the promises of God weren't going to come true, Jesus shows up and he says, no, it's all true. All the sad things are coming untrue. (laughs) And all the things I've promised you are going to be made true. And Mary and Mary and the disciples have hope. Anchored Baptist Church, we have hope this morning. We have hope this morning because Jesus has promised to be present for us. And a whole lot of different ways, actually. One, on this day, showing up to his disciples, Mary and Mary, <laughs> showing up to them and saying, you were looking for me. You were waiting to be in my presence. You were waiting to see where I was at, and here I am for you right now. He does this for all the disciples. He also does this through his brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus promises to be present for us with one another. And he promises to be present with us uh, when the word is preached, when it's read, when it's prayed, when we sing it together. Because Jesus is that word. He promises to be present for us, actually visibly present to us, in baptism, which we witnessed this morning, and the Lord's Supper, which we're going to take part in just now. Jesus has left death behind for you, and He is present for you. Because of that, you can know that the promises of God are true. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.